Good morning. Um, the reading today is taken from Colossians. Um, the sermon is on verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 9 to 14, but we're going to start reading at verse 3 for context. So Colossians chapter 1, on page 1182, beginning at verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who was a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you, Continually, continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Thank you very much, Sheena. Good morning, everyone. My name's Gareth. I'm one of the ministers here. It's great to be with you. I was 18 years old. I was in the country of Turkey, and I was standing face to face with a camel. As I looked at this thing with its goggly eyes, its long eyelashes, its ridiculously rubbery lips, as it chewed the cud. A bloke behind me said, the camel, a horse designed by committee. Twenty years later, I can still remember that. A horse designed by committee. And as you look at a camel, you get the sense of that. All right, the, the statement's more about committees than it is about camels, but we can go with the illustration, can't we? You imagine a group of people um, sitting down to figure out how to make a horse, an animal that is beautiful and sleek, that can run fast, that can jump over fences, that can win wars. And someone says, yeah, but what if the ground's quite tricky to walk on? Yeah, let's give it some really big splayed feet. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and, um, oh, what happens if it hasn't got water for like weeks? Oh yeah, let's give it a hump. Uh, and what if, and before long, what was going to be a horse, beautiful, purposeful, has ended up this kind of like all knees and 
This is just a bit of a funny animal, isn't it? I want to ask you, hopefully in a nice way, is your life a camel? Is your life a camel? And by that, is your life being run by committee? Who are you trying to please in your life? Who are you living for? Who is saying, ah, yeah, but you need to? And don't forget, is it a parent? And you've also got a friend or, or friends, and they say different things from each other. It's a colleague, or a boss, or people you work next to. It's people at church. Well, what will they say? What will they think? It's people on social media. It's your favorite self-help authors. It's your own preferences. You're trying to juggle so many different opinions in your life. I must do this, but I mustn't do that, but I must do it. You try to juggle it. Maybe you went on holiday. You went on holiday, it was going to be a great time, but you took a work meeting. Yeah, you, you dialed into the meeting because, well, I've got, to, I've got to keep them happy, and I've got to keep these guys happy, and, and it was dissatisfying because you weren't really at work, but then you weren't really on holiday either. And afterwards, no one was happy, least of all you. And if we play that forwards, what is it like to get to the end of your life and look back and realize, I've lived my life by committee. I've let everybody else dictate what I should be doing, and it's meant that I'm not satisfied, I'm not pleased with what I've done. My life was a bit like a camel, a bit funny looking, not really sure what it was about. Now, I don't say that to criticize, but can you get a sense of that maybe? As you try to juggle many, many opinions this week, you try to please many, many people, be a good person, a good boy, a good girl, mustn't disappoint. Well, this morning I want to tell you something that is achievable, and more than that, that is amazing. Something that the way to live, that when you get to the end of your life, whenever that might be, that you might look back and think, I did the right thing. I did the right things. My life, it was purposeful. In its own way, it was beautiful. It achieved things. I ran in the right direction. There's a saying in English, I imagine other cultures have a similar type of saying, you can't please everyone. You can't please everyone. But what if you could please the one person who mattered? What if you could please the one person who knew what was best for your life? Wouldn't that be worthwhile? Wouldn't that be the way to be able to look back and think, were they happy? Because if so, it's good. It's good. Okay. Well, talking about not pleasing everybody, we're going to do a bit of brief text work uh, in Colossians. I know uh, some people, uh, not your, maybe not your cup of tea, uh, you just want to be told the answer. Uh, other people, we really like this sort of thing. Uh, it's important we do this because we need to see what's coming from Scripture, um, particularly verses 9 to 14 that Sheena read for us. Um, there's a lot in here, and I just want to uh, start to pick it out apart for us, uh, and it may well be that uh, you'd like to look at these verses uh, again later by yourself. Okay. Um, here's the passage. Um, here's the passage. And I just want to uh, flag up a few things on here. It starts off by saying, um, Paul saying, because of what came before, because of 3 to 13, we've been praying for you constantly. Okay, that's where he starts. Since the day we've heard about you, we've, we've been praying for you all the time. 
That's the background. And now he's going to go into his prayer. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. That is the one thing. That is Paul's main prayer in this passage, this section. That you will be filled with the knowledge of God's will. We'll keep going. We're going to come back to these ideas. But just want to see the structure. Uh, then he gives us the main reason. That you might please God. Be filled with the knowledge of God's will that you might please him. And then, um, there was some grey text, but it's not, oh, it's, oh, wow, it's very, very faint. Um, it is in there. But here are, the, here are four ways of pleasing God that fit between, I uh, don't worry, you can, these bits are coming up. Um, you, can, you could see where it was sat in the, um, in the thing, in the passage. Yeah, sort of there, isn't it? But anyway, uh, bearing fruit in every good work, that's the first way of pleasing God. The second way, growing in the knowledge of God. The third way, being strengthened to have great endurance and patience. And the fourth thing, giving joyful thanks to the Father. So just to recap so far, main prayer, be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Main reason, that you might please God. All right, what does it look like to please God? Here are four ways. Bearing fruit, growing in the knowledge of God, having strength to endure, and giving joyful thanks to the Father. And now if that isn't enough, Paul keeps going. He's just like, it's pouring out of him. In our English, English translations, um, translators put in full stops. But in Paul's thought, he doesn't really do that. He just keeps saying, who this and who that? And, and it just flows. It's like one massive sentence. It tumbles out of him. And because he wants to give us three reasons to thank God then, as we thought about giving joyful thanks to the Father. Uh, the Father's qualified us to share in his inheritance. Um, he has rescued us from darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son. And in the Son, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Right, that is, that is the passage that we've just heard. Boom, 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 boom. You see that? What, why, might I praise, why might I give joyful thanks to the Father? Well, here's three reasons. And then next week, you're going to see he's going to go on to talk more about Jesus. That's the summary. It's very dense, isn't it? There's a lot in here. Maybe you felt that it was, as it was read. Um, here's the structure that we're going to use to go through. Uh, and we're going to focus particularly on the main prayer, the reason, and then those four things. Okay. Let's start at the top. Be filled with the knowledge of God's will. God's will, what God wants. Can you see straight away how this compares to a life lived by committee? All these opinions in your life, all these wishes and desires, calls on your time. And then there is God's will. God says, here's what I want for you. Can you see all those people or God himself? A life lived by committee or a life lived knowing God's way. And he talks about getting it by the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. It's a gift of the Spirit. The knowledge of God's will is not like um, reciting facts, okay? You know, if you learned your times tables, you can learn your times tables without really understanding what they're about. It took me years to figure out what they actually mean, right? I can list the numbers, but what does it mean in practice? Wisdom and understanding, this knowledge of God is the difference between reciting times tables and knowing which mortgage product is best. I, I, know, what, I know now how to use this tool in real life. I know what it means. I know how I might... Uh, behave differently and that's the same with God's will it's not just saying Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 it's saying of all scripture here's what God says into this situation in my life knowledge in the real world taking from what God wants and tells us in his word and it's really important that we see this structure this is the one thing everything else follows that is very important we don't jump down to give joyful thanks and just start there that is not the message today, give joyful thanks. The message today is, 
Let us be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Because if you have that, then everything else will flow. That is what Paul says. Everything else flows. All right, so that's the main thing, that we might be filled with the knowledge of God's will. And then he tells us why. To live a life worthy of God and please him in every way. Now, the Bible is full of statements that we, if you're used to Christian things, if you're used to church, you might, oh yeah. Hang on. To live a life worthy of God. To live a life worthy of God. What are you worthy of? Hmm? I've got a bronze swimming certificate. I'm worthy of that. Some of us are worthy of slightly more uh, exciting things. But compare all the things that we might be worthy of horizontally compared to being worthy of God. Worthy of the creator and the sustainer. Worthy of him. Worthy of the king of kings who is great and good. And then to please him in every way. To please him in every way. Maybe as we were thinking earlier, as we were talking about life lived by committee, you could picture your committee, right? Like a big round table full of people who are telling you what to do. Honestly, how many of them do you please? How many of them do you disappoint? I want to tell you, on the authority of God's word, it doesn't matter if you disappoint them. As long as you are filled with the knowledge of God's will. Because then you will live to please him. You will live to please him. And he will tell you which things matter and which things don't. To the believer, if you're a Christian today, if you are being filled with God's will, God says to you, your life is worthy of me. Now some of us are very self-confident and we might hear that in the wrong way. Oh yeah, I've always been worthy. No. But I know many of us are not self-confident. We have imposter syndrome. We don't feel good enough. God says, your life is worthy of me and pleasing to me in every way as you grow. How dignifying, how transforming that is. All of your life, the washing up, done in a way to please God. The genuine time that you give to that unpopular colleague or classmate, it might not please you, but it pleases him. The prayer behind closed doors that no one sees, it pleases him. He sees. Your Father in heaven sees. See, God's will leads to the right things. It leads this way, that we would have dignity. It is God's will that you would know that he is pleased with you when you live his way. It is God's will that you would live a life worthy of him. What a great calling. What a great aspiration. And it means you don't have to guess if you're all right. You don't have to measure yourself by the unwinnable standards of the committees. We know that by God's grace, by his grace, we are pleasing to him. Maybe you face discouragements from those committees, from people in them. Now, it's not that we totally ignore what people say. God has put us next to people and we should listen. But we can have a way of sorting out those critiques. Are they speaking for God or not? Are they speaking with God or not? If we have done something that pleases God, it's okay that it hasn't pleased everybody else. I need to remember that too. We all do. Living a life that pleases God. Okay, let's move on then to these four things that do please God. 
just before we go through, as we take them as a whole, can you see how good the will of God is? Can you see how good the things that God wants are? These are brilliant things. He doesn't want rubbish for your life. The message of the Bible is not be miserable because God is miserable. It's be joyful because God is joyful. It is be fully alive because God is fully alive. It is be someone of love because God is love. He doesn't want you to be frustrated. He doesn't want you to be irrelevant. He's a loving, gracious giver of good things. These are all things we want. Just think about bearing fruit, right? Some of us uh, may be productivity geeks, okay? We've, um, we've read the blogs. We've got our phone light set up to make sure that all our to-do lists work and everything synchronizes. Now, we're not all productivity geeks, but I imagine that nobody thinks, huh, I want to be unproductive. I want to live a life that counts for nothing. No one thinks that. Everyone, everyone wants to make a difference. Don't you? In some way, you want to look at your life and think, yeah, I did that, and it counted. That's what God wants for your life, that it would be productive, to bear fruit, that your life would count for something. Growing in the knowledge of God. We all have people we look up to, right? People we really look up to. And we jump at the chance to get to know them, to get to spend time with them. And in the Bible, God says, get to know me. You want to know the best person? You can, by knowing Jesus. Strength to patiently endure. Hands up, who wants to be flaky? Who wants to be the person who texts the mate and says, oh, sorry, not coming tonight, because uh, lame excuse. You don't want that, do you? You don't want to be that person. And when you are that person, like, it doesn't make you feel good. Do you want to be the kind of person who bails out the last minute, who starts projects but doesn't finish them? who begins the race but pulls a hamstring, particularly embarrassing in the parents' uh, race at the end of the sports day in front of people. You don't want to be like that, do you? You want to keep going. You want to start what you've finished. You want to finish strongly and well. That is what God wants, that you might keep going. And joyful thanks. That's quite obvious, isn't it? But have you ever seen a kid receive a present? Maybe from their aunt, okay? Uh, The kid gets this present and they tear off the paper and as the wrapping falls away, they see the present. And there's that moment of recognition, like, oh, what's this? And then what they do is they don't play with the present. They look over to the ant and they run across and they give her a massive hug. Thank you. Thank you so much. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And in the gospel, God makes us that child. The one who has received a wonderful gift and can give joyful thanks. This is the will of God for your life and for mine. Whoever you are, maybe you're brand new to Christian things. Maybe you wandered in here by accident because you're looking for a bouncy castle party and you were too polite to leave. This is the will of God for your life. This is what he wants. Now, the application, I want to say this again. It is not jump to these things. It is not grit your teeth and endure. It is to be filled with the knowledge of God, which will live to these things, the knowledge of the will of God. And so I, I don't want to list ways in which you can do this, because I think that will give the wrong message. I'd rather actually encourage you with examples where this is already happening in our church, because God tells me that this will be happening in our church as we are filled with the knowledge of God's will. And we are far from perfect, but we do read scripture each week, and we do our best to ask for his help to be filled with it. 
So we would expect these things to be happening.、Uh, bearing fruit. How is that happening among us? Well, I heard of、um, uh, one guy. I'm not going to name、uh, any of these people.、Uh, one guy.、Um, He was helping out recently with、um, quite little ones in our church, in a, in a group of the little ones.、Um, uh, he's, you know, he's, he's a bloke, he's proper grown up, and they were playing Duck Duck Goose. I don't know if you know Duck Duck Goose.、Um, it's a, quite a brutal game. You all sit in a circle, and one person has to go around touching the heads of people. Duck, duck, duck. And at some point, they then say goose. And if you're sat down and your head's patted and you say goose, you have to get up and chase the person who patted you round the circle and try and. Touch them before they sit in the space you've just vacated. Okay, don't worry if you don't get it. We're not going to play a big game of it now.、Uh, you'll be glad to know. But one of the things that struck me as I've got like over 30, one of the hardest physical challenges is just getting off the floor. Right. So this bloke, he's in, he's in the group with these little kids, and he's massive compared to them, and they're going duck, duck, duck. Ooh, goose. <sighs> right. He has to get up. The little kids are halfway around the circle already, like laughing maniacally. He's got to chase them. <sighs> Doesn't catch them. So he then duck 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 goes. He chooses someone, swaps places. Then the next kid has a go. Guess who they're going to choose? <laughs> duck 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 goose.、Oh, he has to get up again. He chases them again, and again. He got up over and over again. Now I don't know this for sure, but I can pretty much guarantee you he doesn't play duck duck goose in the comfort of his own home. Why was he doing it? Because he'd been filled with the knowledge of God's will that says these little people matter. They're not your kids. You're not their teacher at school. But he got up over and over again and chased them that they might leave church thinking, "Oh, I like church. People care about me." Just a small thing, bearing fruit. And he's not the only one. Knowing God, knowing God. One of the privileges of being in ministry is that you get to pray with people. And it's amazing to pray for people. It's also lovely to have people pray for you and for the church that you serve. I think of someone who, whose prayers—it's not a show, but yet it gives me an insight as to their relationship with God. That they love to talk to Him. They love to talk to Him. They, they know He's good. They know He's good. As they get to know the God who made us, the God of love and light, they know He is good. She delights to talk to her father in prayer, and she is not the only one. How does that happen? She's being filled with the knowledge of God's will. Endurance with God's strength. Someone、um, in our church has been running the Christian race for many years, and during that time, they've been through the mill several times, and right now they're in a challenging spot. And they said, "The things of Jesus are now more real to me than they have ever been." They could have got bitter, and they could have given up. No, the things of Jesus are more real to me than they've ever been, and they are not the only one among us. Joyful thanks. Another senior saint who's been through a lot. I remember once they were just telling me what had happened, some of the things, and it was hard. And I was thinking, I hope that doesn't happen to me. And after they recounted these difficulties, they said,、oh, "But we've got so much to be thankful for." Whoa! 
And suddenly I thought, this is the sort of person, exactly this kind of person I want to be. This is the kind of person that I want my kids to grow up to be. Joyful giving thanks in difficult circumstances. How can that be? Filled with the knowledge of God's will for their lives. That God is for them, not against them. That he leads through the dark valley. That he leads through. I want to be like these people. and You do too, don't you? Don't you see as you, you... We worship with these people. We worship with them, alongside them. And I imagine if you've been at Christchurch for any length of time, you've been encouraged by God's work in the people around you. It's sometimes it's easier to see than in your own life, isn't it? Now, I don't say this to pat ourselves on the back. All right? This is not a Christchurch harpened and loving. It's to show that God's word is true. That as he fills us with the knowledge of his will... This will be happening. And it's to encourage you that as you are filled by the knowledge of God's will, this will be happening in your life. That maybe you need someone else to point it out for you and say, hey, did you see that? I don't think you could have done that a few years ago. These reasons, these things we do, they flow from being filled with his will. If you're not a follower of Jesus yet, I do want to ask you, Think about what the world requires of you, what people around you want, and then compare it to this. And I want to ask you honestly, openly, which is better? Which is better? Paul knows the answer as he spills out the blessings of God. And he goes into then talking about reasons to give thanks. Um, they're not coming up on the screen. I just want to go through them really briefly because they're, they're just so exciting. But um, we're, we're running short on time. But let's, let's just look what God does. Okay, so joyful thanks to the Father comes in verse 12. Can you see that? Giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people. An inheritance. Right? When you learned about inheritance, did you ever then fantasize that one day you might inherit from like some incredibly wealthy distant relative that you'd never heard of? Right? You might get a letter saying, oh, come to the reading of a will, and you come like, whoa! That would be the second best inheritance you ever had. And it would not be close to the first. God has read out his will, his want, and it is that you would inherit what he gives. You are that person. Are you poor? No, you will never be poor in Jesus. Never. In Jesus you are rich, an heir of the inheritance of God's blessings. Joyful thanks. That's what we've received. It, then Paul says we've been brought out of darkness into the kingdom of light. Brought out of darkness into the kingdom of light. Um, some prisoners in various places are thrown into the hole. Thrown into the hole, a place of blackness. Down the pit. There is no light. You have no idea how long you are down there for. No idea if you'll ever come out. Time seems to stand still. What is it like to be there, alone, seeing and nothing, hearing nothing? And the Bible says we were in that hole because of our sin and our shame, because we'd chosen to go away from God. That was our situation. But then the roof was ripped off as Jesus the Redeemer pulled you out. 
he grabbed you out and pulled you out, blinking into the light. And he says, you're never going back in there again. I've paid the price. Through his death on the cross, we receive forgiveness. The forgiveness of sins. Redemption brought back into the kingdom of God's son. That is the story. What a story this is. From being guilty in the pit to being an inheritor. Who knows what God wants and is living God's way and is pleasing him and worthy of him. And that is your story if you have trusted in Jesus. Okay. Let's go back to that, that main point. Be filled with the knowledge of God. Be filled with. That language of being filled with, it kind of that our thoughts and our attitudes, our instincts will become more and more like God's. That our reading of the room and the situations we find ourselves in will be shaped by God's will. <coughs> how do we do it? How, how do we do it? Well, actually, that's slightly the wrong question. Because it's not a command. Did you see that? Verse 9 is not be filled. It is we ask God. We ask God that he would fill you. It's an ongoing prayer. Paul says, I'm praying this all the time for you. I've never met you guys, but this is what I pray for you. This is what I pray for you, that you'll be filled with God's will. And so to copy this pattern, we can pray. Pray for one another. Pray for one another and pray for ourselves that we might be open and available and willing to be filled by the Spirit. It's striking, isn't it, that it's the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. It's Spirit-given. We don't grab it for ourselves. It is a gift of Him. Here at Christ Church, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We are delighted by the Holy Spirit. And we are utterly dependent on the Holy Spirit. There are no words that anyone could stand up at the front and say in the right order to give you spiritual blessings, to force them into your heart. It is only the work of the Spirit. And that is why we must pray for one another and pray for our gatherings. And just on that, thanks for coming to church today. Thanks for coming. It's hard to get here. I mean, hard to park, isn't it? But it's hard to get here in lots of different ways. Thank you for coming. Thank you for engaging. Thank you for listening. Be encouraged that as we open ourselves to God, His will is that we are filled. That's what he wants for you. Be encouraged. Be encouraged to keep coming. As we go through the rest of Colossians and see what God's will is in Jesus for us all. And you can be encouraged as you are open and as you receive from God, this will be happening. This will be happening in your life. The rest will come. And that means, Christian, you can stand up straight. You can hold your head up high as you walk. Not in a boastful way, not in a judgmental way, but with a, a solid steel spine. You know God's will. And as you seek to do it by his spirit, you will be growing more to please him, worthy of him. You will disappoint many other people. You will. You can't please everyone. But in Christ, you are not a disappointment to God. When we get to the end of our life, what will be the measure? This. Were we filled with the knowledge of God's will? Then great. Our life was to the beat of heaven's music. 
by the Spirit's power and Christ's love, it will be a good life. Strong and purposeful and beautiful, not a camel. Honoring to him. And even if it's ordinary in the world's eyes, it has brought glory to God. And therefore, it will have been entirely worthwhile. A moment of quiet as the musicians come up and then we'll sing.